Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Hello, I'm Patty DeMattis, and I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Dr. Gina Pritchard, on our Ask Why Medicine podcast. And today, we always want you to take away, our listeners to take away a good question to ask their uh, providers, healthcare providers, about their own health. And our question today is about lifestyle. Why should I change my lifestyle if I feel like I'm healthy and I'm doing all the right things? So... Um, we know that there is an appropriate lifestyle for everyone. And there's so many, I think, confusing facts out there about lifestyle. What is it really? And um, we know that if there was a drug that would give us the same results that a good optimal lifestyle program and habit, we have to say, we got to make a habit uh, to actually decrease our risk for heart attack, diabetes, depression, obesity, uh, high blood pressure, chronic inflammation, arthritis, cancer, dementia. If we had a drug for that, it would outperform every drug on the market. And unfortunately, there's not a drug for that, is there, Dr. Gina? No, unfortunately, there's not. So what do we mean by lifestyle? I know, you know, people think about lifestyle as like uh, smoking, maybe drinking alcohol, right diet, right exercise. Um, you know, what do you tell people um, about their lifestyle, like an optimal lifestyle? So I usually start by saying that um, it it requires us to sort of begin with the end in mind. In other words, I know you and I both, Patty, have seen a lot of people that come in and either their goal is to lose weight or their goal is more energy or their goal is to sleep better. And so if we try to tackle lifestyle, obviously we want to help all of those things. And if your lifestyle is ideal, then it you should have the energy. You should be sleeping well. It should result in uh, the body size that you want, the shape and the body composition that you want. So when we talk about lifestyle, we're actually talking about six or seven different things. And I'll explain why I say six or seven. I like to use the acronym BLESSED to help me remember all the components of lifestyle and all of the components of a healthy life. And the B stands for, each one of them is a verb, and I'll just go through what each one stands for, and then we'll talk about it in more, more detail, Patty. But B stands for breathe. L stands for love, E stands for eat, S, sleep, S, stress, E, exercise, and D, diagnose. So we can work that word blessed backwards or forwards. In other words, a lot of times, especially in traditional healthcare, we start with diagnose. I need to lose weight. Okay, let's diagnose the problem. Or I need more energy. Well, let's draw some blood and diagnose the problem. That is not wrong at all. You can learn so much about your body with the correct diagnoses by doing labs and additional testing. But you can also first work on the first six things, uh, all of the lifestyle components, and then get blood work and see what diagnoses, if any, that you have. 
But I put the diagnosis or diagnose as the D because in order to actually optimize, and as we've talked about many times on this podcast, fully take you completely uh, as far as we can in terms of diminishing your risk for these chronic diseases, we do have to do some testing. But the bulk of the work is in those first letters, B-L-E-S-S-E, before the D diagnosis. So you want to talk about each one, Patty, or you want to uh, tell us a little bit about, um, about, I think you were going to talk about how it's one size doesn't fits all. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I love that blessed. That's so awesome because we can bless ourselves with doing these things. And the first three, um, actually the first one, breathe. I have two daughters who teach Pilates and Joe Pilates was all about, first of all, breathe. And so that can be a couple of different things that we know that when people aren't breathing, when they're sleeping, that's one of the most, you know, um, uh, telltale signs that something needs to be diagnosed. Right. Um, but also breathe, just, you know, take a little time out. Like we, we will tell somebody when they're upset, Hey, take a deep breath, (laughs) you know? And so I love that, that it starts out with breathe. And then we don't think about love as much, you know, it's like, we love our family. We love our friends. We love this. We love that. But to love ourselves um, is something that, you know, we always say too, it's like, we have to take care of ourselves first. And so to love ourselves, I think is um, a reason to look at our lifestyle and be like, you know, am I doing the right things for my lifestyle? So um, then of course, getting into diet and exercise and, um, Again, stress management. I think stress management, probably if we didn't spell blessed the way it's spelled, stress management might need to be closer to the top <laughs> as far as, you know, let's, let's breathe, let's manage our stress and all that. And then we have to learn. Um, there's many, many ways that we learn what we should eat, how we should eat, because so many people who are really sick, I know you see patients that are really sick and they feel like they're eating right, but are they eating right for their genetics or their blood type or whatever it is, you know, they, they, there's certain parameters around genetics testing that will, you know, guide them as far as what to eat, right. How to eat right. And, and also the labs that we run um, that show inflammation in their body. We know that exercise and eating right will absolutely show up on the lab result. For sure. Yes. So which ones, um, I know a lot of people, we've talked about this before, but a lot of people don't want to talk about genetics. They don't want to know their genes. Um, A lot of patients will comment like, I don't want those genetics tests because I already know I have bad genes. (laughs) And and so what we, you know, want to reassure them is that genetics testing and to actually know what their genes are telling us is a total guide for their lifestyle or not a total guide, but a really good start with some parameters around that. So I know that APOE is one thing that you could talk to us about and also the HAP2, just for starters. You're right. There are so many genes we can test for that honestly, our experience and the research is too new. We're not quite sure um, how significant they are or what they mean, but there are so many that are what you and I call, Patty, actionable. You can take action and you can keep those genes that might not be Uh, so favorable, meaning put you at risk for certain diseases, you can keep those quiet, if you will. We used to say you can keep the good genes turned on and the bad genes turned off. 
uh, and really more accurate is based on our daily cho- choices, your, your genes, your cells, your DNA, always communicating with each other, always trying to move your health in, a, in the positive direction. And so it's more like keeping your good genes dialed up with high volume, working strong and hard for you. And then your genes that are not so favorable, keeping those quiet and turned off and well controlled. But you mentioned APOE and haptoglobin. Those are two that we talk about a lot, uh, Patty, you and I in our clinics with regard to diet in particular. So the APOE gene can be any combination of two, three, and four. And if anyone carries that four component on their APOE gene, then we know they're at greater risk for cardiovascular disease and most significantly for dementia. And one of the key components, uh, there's an entire lifestyle regimen that we recommend for people if they do carry the APOE4 gene variant, but in particular, saturated fat. So when you hear about everyone getting on the keto bandwagon, keto has its place and can be great. And we recommend a keto or ketogenic lifestyle, ketogenic diet for a lot of people, sometimes in a temporary situation. Generally, it's not great to get in ketosis and to eat a high fat diet all day, every day for the rest of your life. But there are times when ketosis can actually be therapeutic. So that's another topic for another day, but I'm using the APOE gene four to and ketogenic diet to make the point that if you do carry that gene variant, then good healthy fats are still important for you, but you can easily get too much saturated fat for the APOE gene four, which will significantly increase your risk, take you on the fast track for dementia. And so, um, learning how to implement ketogenesis or a ketogenic diet into your life if you do carry that four gene in an intermittent fasting type approach uh, and watching your saturated fat grams is just one example of how we would uh, make a specific recommendation based on your genetics. Because if you're a two or a three, then our uh, fat recommendations, our diet recommendations are very different not only for you to achieve your daily goals of having the energy you want, of uh, being focused, high performance, achieving the body composition you want, but um, what you and I are most interested in with our patients, we love all of those outcomes, but most importantly, we don't in anyone to in their entire life uh, experience heart attack, stroke, diabetes, or dementia. So knowing your genetics can really help us dial in that diet. And then the second one that you mentioned, haptoglobin, we know that if you carry a haptoglobin, you can be one, 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 two, or two, two. And if you um, carry a two variant in the haptoglobin gene, then you're not as efficient at carrying the toxins out of the body. And um, you also have an increased, um, an increased, what is the word I'm looking for? Gluten is not your friend. <laughs> right. Sensitivity. There you go. That's right. Um, because um, gluten with a haptoglobin 2 variant, particularly 2-2, two two, uh, increases something called zonulin, which we've also talked about on this podcast and many of our listeners know about zonulin. And when you have higher levels of zonulin, it just makes the intestinal lining so unhealthy those little villi that stand up in the intestinal lining and help move the food along and help capture the toxins, they're just lying flat. They're just sort of not helping you at all. They're just withered 
Uh, so for one, things are not moving along in the way that is ideal. And then also your endothelial lining, those cells just open up. They're not nice and tight together, allowing only good, healthy nutrients through. But when they open up like that, they allow the toxins through, things that you don't want to get into the bloodstream. So that's like double whammy. You're not a great detoxifier to begin with. And then you're allowing more toxins to get through that intestinal lining and cause you problems. So that leads to a whole host of chronic diseases, daily mental fog, daily lack of energy, uh, aches and pains, so many um, symptoms on a daily basis that we don't want. So haptoglobin is a very important gene to know and to uh, get some great advice on um, changing your lifestyle to uh, keep that gene turned down, if you will. Right. And with our patients, I know we try not to overwhelm them with too many goals right away uh, because lifestyle is hard. But, you know, what we know is that a lot of times we uh, try really hard to cut down on gluten. And a lot of our patients will say, well, I am trying to to cut down. I don't eat bread. You know, so just little steps. You don't you don't have to go full fledged. Absolutely no gluten, because that's really hard to do. Right. But just trying to start somewhere which is reducing i think is um is okay right they just need to start working towards something and then i know you know you and i have actually done podcasts before about insulin resistance which you know we know that the next thing on your blessed list is sleep so if if our patients aren't sleeping well uh, a lot of times people just base that on snoring. So we have to think about the diagnosis at the end, the end result, the diagnosis is that we really do have to do some tests to diagnose if we are really sleeping well, if we're getting enough oxygen in our sleep, or if we're causing inflammation and driving other root causes for uh, chronic diseases. So I think that a lot of people, you know, should really know that they should at some point do a baseline sleep test, right? To get that diagnosis to, to know, well, this is one of the places to start. So we've got, you know, breathe, love, eat, sleep. <laughs> um, the insulin resistance thing is also another thing that we need a diagnosis for because we don't realize most people have no idea that they're insulin resistant and with insulin resistance actually contributing uh, to heart attacks, like 70% of heart attacks are driven by insulin resistance. Um, and with us, you know, with it being such a silent <laughs> killer, you might say, then again, we need diagnosis for that as well. And then um, we talked about stress a little bit. So what do you tell your patients that, you know, what do you feel like is the best technique for stress management? Yeah, I think stress um, is such an important category. And you mentioned that, like if blessed wasn't spelled this way, we might put stress management at the top. <laughs> but all of these categories that we talked about really uh, are impacted by uh, how an individual is, as you said, managing their stress. And I really like to think about it um, in terms of our nervous system, which is a key component to helping us deal with any stressors that come our way. Because of course, we wouldn't tell any of our patients just stop stressing or just don't be so stressed. That's not great advice because, you know, the world that we live in right now, and even just, even if it wasn't this crazy world, you never know when you're going to get a bill you didn't expect, or you're going to have a fender bender or something unexpected happens. I mean, the world is just full of things that can really increase our stress level. And we all know that 
uh, it's important, of course, our response to that. But I like to think of more in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week thought process. In other words, our nervous system is constantly deciding whether we need to be more in a fight or flight type mode. We're running from a bear or we see a snake and uh, something scary is going on, fight or flight. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, digest, and heal, the opposite of fight or flight. And so your nervous system is constantly monitoring your situation to help determine how to best support you. And we need to help our nervous system by taking conscious approach to keeping ourselves in the rest, digest, and heal state of the nervous system as much as possible. Because there are plenty of things to uh, interfere and cause us to get more in a uh, stress response of fight or flight mode. So ways that we do that are what all of the things that we've talked about so far starting with your breathing. So if we can just stop and slow our breathing and nasal breathe, use our techniques such as meditation, etc., we can move our nervous system into a rest, digest, and heal, parasympathetic type of um, response to anything that comes our way. So um, whenever someone talks about needing help with stress management, I really start there and it's a um, much longer conversation, obviously, but we need to be constantly aware of, um, of our breathing and of what's going on inside of our body. We can really begin to understand if our body is more in a fight or flight mode. Are you tense? Is the jaw tight? Uh, do you have a headache? Are your jaws clenched? Uh, are your fists, you know, like, are you like, have your muscles uh, tight? Uh, or are you just thoughts are racing, that kind of thing. So we need to take control of that. That's just such a huge one. Just stop and realize, maybe set a, a, a timer on your phone for several times throughout the day or whatever to stop and breathe and assess what, you know, how am I feeling on the inside right now? Am I stressed out or uh, am I in that stress response that I don't want to be? You can change that. And, and it, the reason I say it is really most important, we could really put a circle around the whole word blessed and talk about stress, uh, putting it in its proper place and talking about love and putting it in its proper place. But um, eating, for example, if we just, you know, are eating on the run while we're also making phone calls and thinking about our next meeting and how well do you think you're going to digest that food? You <laughs> might as well just continue to fast until you can stop and sit down and take a few deep breaths and perhaps be thankful for the food you're about to eat and um, make your choices wisely rather than just grabbing something and eating it on the go. That food is not going to do you nearly as much good. Uh, and you're really doing your body some harm if you try to eat and digest when you're in that fight or flight mode. So we could talk about stress all day, Patty. It's a big one. Absolutely. Well, and I know that we have so many studies that have, you know, people have, people have been studied, like huge groups of people have, um, you know, seen results from maybe like meditation. I know there's so many studies about meditation, like 15 minutes a day of meditation will lower your blood pressure four points or 10 points or whatever. And most of us in America don't take that time. Like you said, you know, rushing around, not, you know, 
eating on the eating on the go. How good is that for us? But for us to really slow ourselves down, I think we have to learn uh, to meditate. And one of the things that I have learned recently is just to have a mantra. Just think of a mantra that maybe shows gratitude, like you mentioned. Um, you know, some kind of like two or three words that you can actually take a deep breath and think about those words, say them to yourselves when you get upset or when you get rushed or when you get, you know, somebody makes you be upset. Um, you know, we always have a patient in the, in the dental office who are in our heart attack and stroke prevention center that, you know, will say, well, my blood pressure is not that high at home. And they want to say that it's a white coat effect when maybe we don't even have a white coat on. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that the, all of those things that you talked about are the same thing as a white coat. Their blood pressure could be up. So I think that the latest thing that I read that I thought was so interesting is to make up a little mantra in your own mind that when you are out in the traffic or you're you know upset about something to slow yourself down, number one, breathe <laughs> and you know think about that to really settle yourself down. So I think that everything that we've talked about this morning, there's so much that our listeners could actually take to their doctors and say, okay, am I blessed? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, what do I need to, to be 100% blessed here? You know, and um, that doctor will probably want to start with the diagnosis. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they just say, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. But to really, you know, have, I think this is such a great guide uh, to have this word blessed and just kind of check for yourself, you know, am I doing the right thing for a, an optimal lifestyle that can do all those things that we talked about, prevent, you know, your or lower your risk for heart attack, stroke, diabetes, dementia, you know, all of that in one pill would be great, but we don't have that. So I'd like for our listeners to be really um, patient with themselves and just take a couple of these things and figure out, you know, if they can make little changes into big changes and actually see a huge difference in their health. I totally agree, Patty. And maybe on future podcasts, we'll take one letter per podcast. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Yes, Gina. So we want to remind all of our listeners to be sure to subscribe to us, to us, to us on Apple podcast or their favorite podcast app. So they don't miss an episode. And you can also follow us on social media. You can find us at ask why medicine on Facebook and Instagram. So until then keep asking why. Why?